What's up, guys, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. Here are a couple pieces to check out on the ringer.com before the end of the week. First up is Kevin O'Connor, who's writing about how the Denver Nuggets built a contender in a Warriors world. Then Chris Ryan and Justin Barrier have a rational conversation about Anthony Davis and the trade deadline. And finally, Robert Mays has 10 observations from the first Patriots-Rams Super Bowl. Once again, you can check those articles out and tons more on TheRinger.com. Welcome to The Ringer NFL Show on The Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, bud? I'm okay. How do you feel about the Super Bowl bye week? I really enjoy it. I used it, it to helps. hate it as a fan. I used to, as a fan, I didn't like it. I really like it as a reporter for two reasons. One, I was going to say it helps me recharge my batteries a bit, but that's not really true. <laughs> I feel like it's as much work or more work this week because you're scrambling for stuff to write next week. But I do enjoy it just from a kind of being able to settle a little bit standpoint. That part is nice. I did forget that the Super Bowl wasn't on Sunday, though, when we were planning this podcast on Monday. I was like, so we're we gonna do our Super Bowl preview this week. <laughs> I have no idea, like no semblance for space and time right now. I, I, I love you, Robert, but you very rarely have semblance of space and time. That's true. You're true. That, that's correct. I'll give you that. All right. So what we are gonna do this week, because the Super Bowl is not until next Sunday, and we'll have a lot of time to talk about the game between now and then is talk about some of the lessons we learned just in general from this NFL season, from who was good, from who was bad, stuff that we can take into next year as teams consider how they want to build in the offseason. So yeah, we've talked about a lot of these things, I'm sure at some point or another, but we're just going to run through them right now. So Kevin, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so I think that there's a number of things to look at this year. And I think that the overarching one is that we found out this year that quarterbacking can be easy. I don't mean it is easy. I mean, it can be very easy. And coaches and schemes and just little things can make a bad quarterback average and an average quarterback look good and a good quarterback look great. You know, I I go back to this thing that I saw before this season that when a team runs an RPO in in 2017, the league-wide completion percentage was 78%. Okay? So the best... Drew Brees, who can get in the low 70s in completion percentage, is the best ever at completing passes. So an RPO can make a quarterback more efficient than the greatest quarterback at completing passes in the history of football. Okay. So I start, and you start to build from there, and you look at all the easy yardage. And this is not just an RPO thing. This is about play action. This is about just easy yardage. I think that there's something to be said for the fact that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels have have for a long time cornered the market on just finding easy yardage on offense. And yeah. now here comes Sean McVay. Sean McVay, I saw a stat the other day. I think Steve Palazzolo had it. Jared Goff leads the NFL by by a little bit in open throws inside the 10-yard line. He has 33 this year. Do you know how easy it is to live life when you have 33 open throws, wide open throws inside the 10-yard line? So the fact that these guys are in the Super Bowl really speaks to that sort of revolution, how many easy throws there are now because of the rule changes, because quarterbacks are just coming in probably a little more accurate because of sort of the 10,000-hour rule with seven-on-sevens and all that stuff. But I just think that there are so many more easy throws now than there were 10 years ago. And if you're not taking advantage of those things, you are clearly not in the Super Bowl. I think that the 33 throws inside the 10 thing is nuts because when you think about that offense, you think about stretching the field and using play action and kind of getting these wide open throws in huge swaths of space, which there aren't in the red zone. So the fact that they can do both is why they're so good and so hard to stop. But I think schematically, the scheme helps as well because beyond the 10,000 hours, beyond the rules, everything else, the game has spread out. The game is spread out horizontally. It's spread out vertically as we get these offenses that look like the Chiefs that are this amalgam of a West Coast offense from the beginning of when people started running it and spread concepts from college. The game just opens up and that's how throws get easier. So it's no surprise even beyond the rules and all that stuff that the game is getting easier for quarterbacks just because coaches are making the game easier on themselves. Well, and and you think about just the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. It's something that I've discussed this before, but you know, 50 years ago, George Plumpton wrote a book called Paper Lion. And in there, Raymond Berry talks about crossing the field and how he's done it once in his career. He went over the middle of the field once in his career. And Raymond Berry was one of the best receivers in the history of football. 
And the reason he didn't do it is because there were, essentially, it was, it was Thunderdome in there. If you cross the middle of the field, you were liable to get your ass kicked. And by much bigger people, by much more physical people, helmet to helmet, I mean, nothing was called there. And now you can build an offense around going over the middle of the field. Now anybody of any size can do it because of the way the rules have changed, because of the way the athletes in the middle of the field have changed. It's not, it's not as physical as a game as, of, of a game as it was. So I just think that there's so many different things that combine to make quarterbacking easy. And if you're not riding that wave, you are lost. It was amazing. Watch, I rewatched the Patriots Rams Super Bowl, the first one yesterday, and wrote about it. Mm-hmm. And watching how far the receivers are from the formation yeah. was just incredible. Because when you watch the Rams now, those guys are standing two feet from the offensive tackle. And it's just so different because of how teams try to exploit different areas of the field. You don't see the best receivers in the NFL anymore just stick outside the numbers. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins does it a lot, but outside of him, teams are getting smarter because they have to. It's remarkable how much it's changed in the last decade and a half. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember the bit, one of the big talking points when Mike McCarthy was fired was that Aaron Rodgers was leading the NFL and throws outside the numbers. Yep. And 15 years ago, we'd be like, oh, what? Okay. Who cares? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's, it's, a, it's a fireable offense. So one of my first lesson, I think, kind of corresponds to that a little bit, and it's that I feel like more and more teams are going to be willing to wade into this kind of quarterback abyss where it's like, oh, man, we have a guy. He's pretty good. We can give him $21 million, and that'll be our guy for the next four years. And I think because quarterback is getting easier, because we've realized how much of a ball and chain those $20, $25 million quarterback contracts can be, you're going to see teams not retain Eli Manning yep, one yep, year longer yep, than they yep. should, not re-sign Blake Bortles, not hang on to Andy Dalton. That I mean, Andy Dalton's a bad, he's a decent quarterback, but that's the type of contract we're talking about. You know, we mentioned early in the season that Cincinnati is the type of team we could see moving on from a quarterback where we never would have thought that before. Ryan Tannehill is the same way. So I just think that more and more teams are going to take chances because that also corresponds with the amount of teams that have hit on quarterbacks they've traded up for. You know, Jared Goff, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, Sean Watson. So the, all those factors kind of coalescing into this idea that you don't need to commit to a quarterback that you don't think is the guy. If you can, if you feel like you have an infrastructure that can prop up anyone. So that's really fun because really funny because I had the same sort of idea, which is that one of the things we learned was just it's not about not paying your quarterback; it's about not paying your crappy quarterback. Yeah. And you see, I'm not strictly calling these guys crappy, but I don't think anyone agrees at this point that the Derek Carr contract is worth it. I don't think that the Matt Stafford contract is worth it. I don't necessarily know about the Matt Ryan contract. He was very efficient this year, but we'll see how that 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 shakes out with team building. But Matt Ryan's really good. He's re- I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But Matt Ryan's really Matt good. Matt Ryan I mean, Matt not, Ryan was, Matt Ryan is a significantly better player than Matt Stafford and, and Derek Carr. Let's, let's correct. put that. Let's Ma- put Matt that Ryan was awesome this year yeah. for and, and for some guys it's like, oh, can he do it in this other system? Yeah. Matt Ryan won the MVP with Kyle Shanahan, but he also was fantastic this year with a coordinator that just got fired. Right. So, so I, I feel okay about Matt Ryan. I, I I'm I'm with you on that. I just I'm interested to see in the in the trajectory of the Falcons, I guess is, is how I'll put that. So, totally. So, I mean, no one, the, the, the Saints should be in the Super Bowl with a $25 million quarterback. The lesson there is not don't pay your quarterback. The lesson is if you're going to pay your quarterback, make sure he's worth $25 million. I don't think the Saints are going to ask for their money back for Drew Brees. You have to build an infrastructure, exactly like you said, where you're going to hit on the third round rookie, uh, rookie contract running back like Alvin Kamar. You're going to hit on Michael Thomas, who's due for an extension at some point. You're, you, they maximize Drew Brees' career by building around him and paying him market value. And I think that's a, that's a lesson for everybody. And I feel like it, it's not it it's max it's getting the right guy, it's picking the right guy. Mm-hmm. But it's also if you're not sure it's the right guy, giving him every chance because I think that's what we're going to see with Dak, right? If they give Dak 25 million dollars oh, yeah. and they continue doing what they're doing offensively, obviously they fired Scott Linehan, but if they don't kind of prop Dak up, and then you're looking at that contract and it looks terrible. If they find the right guy, Dak can be a $25 million quarterback. So it's not necessarily the choice you make on the player. It's making sure every single element of your organization makes that $25 million money well spent. With Russell Wilson, we've discussed this. They give Russell Wilson $30 million in that offense. Is it worth it even if he's a $30 million player? And that's the type of stuff you have to answer if you're an organization. Hey, I had a press box debate the other day. I was just watching, Ooh. I was watching Jared Goff and I thought about this. If you switch Goff and Dak Prescott, is Dak Prescott playing in the Super Bowl right now? Yes. I agree. 
I absolutely think who he is. is the uh, worst quarterback on a rookie contract who would be playing in the Super Bowl right now for Sean McVay? I don't know if any of the rookies outside of Baker would be. No, good no, I said yet. okay. Oh, oh, you so so Rosen. I'm just trying. I'm oh, just trying thinking to about Rosen, process, Darnold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just process of elimination. Yeah, um, I don't think Trubisky would. I I agree with that. Um, I think it's I think it's Mahomes, Prescott, Goff, Wentz. I'm trying to think if we're leaving anybody out there. You don't. Uh, yeah, it's Mar- Mariota or Winston. No, I mean, may, obviously, I think I think I th- I think Mayfield. I think Mayfield. Oh, Mayfield. I think Mayfield. I absolutely. Oh as my a, god, him this offense would be no, amazing. No, 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 no. But I'm saying this as a rookie, he is a rookie. Oh sure, he's a yeah, rookie. Oh, Deshaun Watson. And, and Watson. Yeah, I yeah I think so. With Dak, I think he'd be great in this offense. I think he'd be fantastic. I he's Dak is a decent quarterback, and I, I thought that. Watching the game against Seattle, I was like, man, he's making some throws. And I think his expected completion percentage in that game was 55% and completed 67% of his passes. It's like, I think it was a 10.7% difference, which would have been three percentage points higher than the highest mark in the league this year, which was Drew Brees. The difference between your expected and your actual completion percentage. Like that dude makes throws that he shouldn't have to make because that offense was so terrible. And I just think we have not seen how good he can be after his rookie year. I don't want to, I don't want to blow up anybody's spot here. So I'm not going to name them, but there were the people I was debating with because I, I brought the question up. I, I, the people I was debating with did not think Dak was very good. I think Dak is pretty good. I think, I think, Jared Goff I think is he's better. good enough to be a Sean McVay product. I totally agree. I, I I think honestly though, watching that Jared Goff game, I can't remember who said it on Twitter. I'm going to feel bad um, not referencing them, but they said it was maybe the best game Jared Goff has ever played in the NFL, and it didn't look like that in the stat sheet. But watching that game, I was like, I kind of agreed. The game, the best game I've ever seen him play, obviously, is the Vikings game where he was just raining fire and he made like ten ridiculous throws. Yeah. But he made like five ridiculous throws in that Saints game. And that was not easy sledding for him and that throw to cooks. I mean that, that dude can really sling it. And I think he's pretty good. All right. What's your next lesson? I hate doing this. I feel like I'm the last person. I don't know what this is going to be, but it's going to be great. I'm like the last person outside of the NFL power structure that is willing to admit this because I've tried to hold on for so long. Wait, running backs don't matter. Oh, wait, no, Wait, what? You, I, I have that too, but why are you reluctant to do Cause that? Because I've always, because I wanted to believe it wasn't true. I, I mean, I know it's not, but like there are some guys that are just so fun to watch. It was, it's hard for me to sit there and think Todd Gurley doesn't matter. That's that's a bummer. I'm, so, and, I'm sorry to hear that, but that's true. I know, I know, I know. CJ Anderson and all his glory. Well, hold on, hold on. So I think that running backs don't matter unless you have an abysmal one. Like, I think there's certain things a running back has to be able to do. Run, you remember the the Trent Richardson stuff where they would show the videos where he would just run in the wrong hole every time? Yeah. Like, you can't have that. Yes. And, and you, you have, also yes. have the, the guy has to be able to catch out of the backfield. Yes. I, I think that there are some running, obviously there are running backs that are better than others. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. I just feel like we've seen too many instances this year of guys stepping in and being just as good or better than the guys they were pl- oh, playing absolutely. behind. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mean, I'm just sa- I'm saying there's a baseline where the quarter it's the the running back has to be a certain a certain has a certain skill set I guess and to, totally. to exist in 2018. So th- 2019. So I think that there's there are a couple of things I want to unpack here and and I'm sure there are for you too. But there was a stat the other day was it was it for the divisional round or for the wild card? It was divisional round. Where it was like, well, five of the eight teams left have a first round running back. That is really really terrible thinking now, and logic. It's, it's the war. It's very very similar to. Are you familiar with Bear Patrol from The Simpsons? No. Okay. Well, basically, oh yes 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 yes, a bear, yes yes. I remember. And yes. Then they, and then there's one bear, and they like spend millions of dollars in taxpayer money just to get um just to get the the bear away. And then they have Bear Patrol. And then Lisa says, well, just because I have this rock doesn't mean I'm gonna, that's going to keep tigers away. And Homer says, Lisa, I'd like to buy your rock. <laughs> and so that I feel like it's that kind of specious reasoning where like Mark Ingram is the reason the Saints are good. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. We're doing that now? <laughs> I mean, it's the kind of connected. It's kind of tangential to the, if you run 50 times in a game, you are going to win. Like yeah. that line of thinking that we debunked 10 years ago, but still how, somehow pops up everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the only thing that really 
confuses me about this is that the Patriots, who who have sort of cornered the market on basic economic principles in the NFL, did take a first-round running back this year. I know, but that was just so bizarre. Every like two or three years, Belichick will do something in the draft where it's just like, what? Why? I, I, there's yeah. no explanation for well, it ever. I know. I, I think the explanation is like they've taken special teams guys in like the second or third round because I think they just see it. Well, there's as, an explanation for that. No, but I think that it's just like, you know what? We're this guy away and we're just going to take him and I don't care. I guess that's so, fair. A little bit of that. But Sony Michelle's like the third best running back on the Patriots. Yeah. It's really weird. But yeah, it's, and I think, you know, obviously the teams that have done this struggled this year. You know, I'm thinking about the Jags. The Jags are going to come up a lot on this podcast. <laughs> I'm thinking about the Jags. I'm thinking about just how Leonard Fournette was not even a part of their plan this year. When he was, it didn't work out. You know, obviously Ezekiel Elliott's a good player, but he's not the reason that the Cowboys offense is good and the Cowboys did nothing to help him. You know, Saquon Barkley played for a team that the didn't win many the, games. The Cowboys are going to give Ezekiel Elliott. And I think Ezekiel Elliott's a very talented player. They're going to give him a hilarious contract. Oh, yeah. It's going to be really funny. I mean, the contract he has now is really funny just because he was depicted in the top five. Man, it's going to be funny. I love watching Saquon Barkley and it just sucks that you could get a guy in the sixth round and if you have the right infrastructure, your offense would be just as good. It's a bummer to me. Yeah. I mean, it's... I'm sorry. That's just the way it goes. A lot of positions don't matter as much as other positions. The Seahawks picked a first-round running back, and then the guy that they picked in the seventh round who broke his leg last year is better. It's not great. It's really not great. It's not great. I mean, also, these guys... I I just want to say something. It's really hard. These guys do not exist in in a vacuum. They get the crap knocked out of them on every single play. They are never at full health. And so no. I think that it's that's one thing to consider is that the reason they're kind of replaceable is because injury luck is so important in football, and these guys are always injured. Even if you don't know they're injured, even if the team doesn't know they're injured, they're always injured. And all it takes is a little bit of a hamstring pull, a little bit of a knock on the knee, whatever, to, to be 85% of 100%, and that can be the difference at the NFL. So I think it's a little harsh on them but that's the reality of the position is they're always injured and when I did that old quarterbacks thing a couple weeks ago or last week I was talking to this guy from the Mayo Clinic about how athletes age and he was like you know running back you know fast twitch muscles age worse than slow twitch muscles that's one of the reasons that wide receivers and and running backs uh, age more quickly than than a quarterback or, or, or defensive tackle or whatever but he said it's really, really impossible to judge the actual aging curve because the guys with fast twitch muscles also get the crap knocked out of them all the time. So we have no idea how they're supposed to age yeah. in football. That's yeah, exactly. It's coming from two different directions, which is a much bigger problem. All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break. Clean up your remote control clutter in time for the Super Bowl with Control Center by Cavo. Plug in your streamer, sound system, cable, or satellite, even your game console, and Control Center does it all. Control Center simplifies your home theater so you can control everything connected to your TV with one easy-to-use remote with voice control. Don't fumble with different remotes or run out the clock with messy search results. Just say what you want to watch and Control Center will take you straight there. One universal voice remote controls it all. So all you need to do is say, watch any given Sunday and Control Center by Cabo handles the rest. Be the MVP of your Super Bowl party with Control Center so you can finally get off AV duty and bring the joy back to watching TV. I'll be honest with you guys. I am the worst technology person ever. I don't know how any of my remotes work. I lose them every single second. I can't even imagine how much time I've spent digging through my couch cushions. Having one central remote that controls it all has simplified my life in a way you guys just can't even grasp. Shop now just in time for Super Bowl Sunday and get 40% off Control Center with promo code NFL. That's $59.95. 40% off the regular price, $99.95. Control Center is available at C-A-A-V-O com and Best Buy. Control Center by Cabo. One remote that does it all. All right, what's your next one? Okay, so this sort of goes back to the way football is played now. The top four scoring offenses in the NFL make the final four. And this is impactful because Howie Roseman once told me about five years ago that that he really hones in on the last four teams and he does studies on everything about them. Um, draft position, what you know, where, where what colleges are they taking guys from, what are their heights, their weights? Am I just missing something? That's what he's looking for. And this year, 
teams took a or teams were obviously offensively focused. They were top four scoring offense in the NFL. But last year, it was four of the five top defenses. So there's no real lesson about offense is going to win forever. I do think it's becoming more offensive game. I think that if you have you know the spread and all the easy throws, whatever that that stuff is is the future of the sport, and that that is indisputable. But what I think the point from the violent shift from 2017 to 2018 as far as defensive focus to offensive focus in the Final Four, I think the lesson from that is you just have to be adaptable and you got to be really smart because this game changes and revolutionizes itself every single year to the point you have to operate like the Patriots and the Rams and a couple of other teams where you're just sort of you're, you're a very swift-moving ship, and you can figure out things on the fly. You can change the identity of your team from one week to the next, and I think that's really important. You know, right now, one of the things that I was really fascinated with, did you see Tom Brady's uh, Instagram story about his jersey? No. He put on his, his, his AFC Championship game jersey on Insta because he wanted to show that it was completely clean. There was not one grass mark on that, and then he tagged all of his offensive linemen. He was under pressure of 15% of dropbacks on Sunday. Patrick Mahomes, they played fantastic. Patrick Mahomes was, uh, I think, under pressure on over half of his snaps. It's 50% even, yeah. I think. Yeah. And so, all of a sudden now, I think we're going to get into this meme where it's like, well, you got to have an offensive line. We knew you had to have an offensive line. You have yeah. to be a, you, like, you, you just have to be good at everything. Like, <laughs> That's the and, oldest we rule. We can't just go chasing. Every time something happens, we can't just chase that position group and say, well, we got it. It's like Tom Brady lost in the Super Bowl five years ago and then 11 years ago to the Giants. And then it became, oh, you've got to rush the passer in the NFL. It's like, no shit, guys. <laughs> Tom Brady I, Tom Brady does not like when you get in his face oh he's the one he's the guy he's the quarterback who doesn't do well with pressure in his face everybody just learns the wrong lessons from these things so I, I'm with you on all that stuff in, in terms of like the rushing the pass or the offensive line and everything else I'm not with you on this offense defense thing I don't I understand okay. that all the teams had good defenses last year who were the final four last year or who were the final eights last year uh, the Patriots, the Saints, the Steelers, the Chiefs, or the, the Chiefs lost to Tennessee, excuse me, but yeah. they should have beaten Tennessee. They, the Rams, they did. the Rams, the Eagles, I mean, and the, the, uh, the Falcons. Yeah. Those are all of those teams. All of those teams have top 10 defenses or offenses by DVOA. All yeah. of them. The, the Chiefs, the Patriots were number one. Then the Saints, then the Steelers. It's, well, offense is sustainable. You, it, offense is the way to consistently win in the NFL, period. Right. I'm not saying that defense matters more than offense. And I'm, I'm certainly as pro-offense as anybody in the NFL. What I'm saying is, is that the league changes. I mean, right now, Belichick's just running an old-school game plan. He's throwing James Devlin out there. He's using the running backs from the backfield more than any other. He's turned James White into Jerry Rice all of a sudden. What I'm just saying is that it's not about one position group being dominant. It's not about one side of the ball necessarily being dominant. It's about just having the adaptability to change your game plan and change your identity over the course of a season. I agree with that, but I think it's more so about changing your identity on offense to stay really good at offense. I mean, I still think defense, I mean, there's, listen, the Patriots, everyone, I, I know everyone said like the, the whole we suck things over, but I certainly agree. The Kyle Van Noy tweet that we discussed on Sunday, hashtag we suck. I'm just throwing it out. It's not acceptable. No one says you suck except weird talk shows. But, you know, they did have a, what, a 15% chance or whatever. They have 15% rule. Bill Simmons actually sent it to me. ESPN said they have 15% chance of winning the Super Bowl before the conference championship game. But I think there's something to be said for the fact the Patriots did have the best defense. Of the, they had the worst offense of the Final Four and the best defense of the Final Four. And I know that there's, you know, there's something to be said for, for just competence on defense in 2019. There totally is. I'm more saying that if you're building a team, it's better to have a good offense every year and then figure out the defense. You're just saying and that Patri- because you got double doinked by the Eagles. That's not true at all. That's I've always felt that way. That's why I'm so scared about the Bears' future. No, I know. <laughs> I, we've known this for so long. I mean, Aaron Schatz has been saying this for 15 years, and it started with... Those Colts teams. That's how Bill Polian built those Colts teams. It's also how Bill Polian built those Buffalo teams. I mean, those are the teams with that offense. it's with offense. Yeah. All offense, and then you luck into a defense one year. And if you're if you're Belichick, you're the greatest defensive mind of all time. So you don't need to luck into one. You'll figure it out. But for everyone else, I think it's about 
trying to figure out the defense as you go and having a really good offense. Belichick is going to be the exception that proves pretty much every single one of these rules for the most part. If you try to build your team like Bill Belichick, you're going to lose. Yeah, I mean, I it's, we have more evidence of that than possibly anything in football, that if you try to be Bel- Bill Belichick, you will fail and you'll be fired. Um, but I, again, I just think that it's just because defense regresses. I know all those studies just because defense is not consistent year to year. doesn't mean you should give up trying to build a defense. Of course not. It's just building it the right way. It's building, finding the right resources, finding the right coaching staff, all that. But it's to me, it's more about, you need to have a good offense. If I'm choosing to build my team, it's about having an offensive coach and a really good quarterback. And then you've, Figure out the pieces later. Get me a pass rusher. Get me a corner, and that's it. I feel like I'm that, being I'm being cornered into being anti-offense when I'm no, the, not when, at I'm, all. when I'm the most pro-offense person on the planet. I I'm, just said you you said that last year we didn't learn anything because we didn't necessarily no. learn offense matters more because the best defenses were in it. And I think that we absolutely learned that offense no, is the I'm, most important. I'm thing. I'm saying looking at the final four and saying these teams are this, these teams are that is sort of overblown. I guess so. But when I look at the final four last year, I don't see the high, the best scoring defenses. I see the best offenses. They just happen to have Except good defenses the Jacksonville too. Jaguars. Oh yeah. That was, I mean, the Steelers should have won that game. So, and, I mean, that's the, kind of the what damn, I'm, the Eagles who had at that point had not, we had not fully realized that Nick Foles was about to put up, you know, he was going to become Dan Marino in the Super Bowl. By the way, when I was having that Both conversation, the, and the, the Steelers won that game in my mind. I was thinking the final four was the, the Saints, the Eagles, the Steelers, and the Patriots. Bo- so that's bo- on me. Both the Eagles and the Jaguars got to that game specifically because of their defensive depth. Now, the Eagles won the Super Bowl sure. by playing like a Big 12 team. And that's that's shaded uh, our memory of that. But, I mean, if they didn't have that defense, that's a completely, I mean, they're, they're, they're completely sunk on, with Foles. I think that's true against Atlanta. I was at the NFC Championship game. Nick Foles was on fire. He was literally engulfed in flames. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm aware of, of Nick Foles. I mean, they, they, they got out-schemed in that game, as the Minnesota Vikings defensive players said on Mic'd Up in the most embarrassing moment of the season. <laughs> All right, let's, let's stick with that getting out-schemed thing because my next lesson is the gap between the smart coaches and the dumb coaches has never been wider than it is now. And I think that we have a lot of reasons to believe that. And it's just the amount of data that's out there, what people say about that data. Did you see today there was that report on Roto World that NFL GMs just hate analytics? Like a lot of them just like getting yeah, tired of all that this was conversation. A Tony Pauline thing. And, it's the, like, and the quote was like, uh, one of the coaches something called Tony Pauline and, and said, anytime I hear about analytics, I say, here we go again. Well, that person should be fired. Yes, they absolutely should. And it's it's beyond, we we have this conversation all the time. This isn't about turning your front office into the Sashi Brown Browns, which good Lord, what a day for that franchise. Mm. Uh, It's it's not about that. It's about understanding the smart and dumb ways to go about your business. I was, I think Ben Baldwin tweeted something earlier this week about run, run, pass percentage, pass percentage on first and second down with at least seven yards to go with when you're within seven points. And the Seahawks were at 39%. They threw the ball in that situation 39% of the time on first and second down. You cannot do that. You just cannot run your team that way. There's too many resources out there to understand the smart way to go about this. And it's just become so obvious which coaches know the right way to go about this and which ways, which coaches don't. It's never been more apparent in my mind. No argument here. I mean, there are... There are two NFLs, um, people who understand how quickly the game moves now and people who don't. I mean, I, I think that what's fascinating to me is the conversation I've talked about now for six years about how technology was going to change football. The first one I ever had when I was essentially on brand new to the beat was with a coach who said, once this iPad stuff comes in, once the technological advancements come in, you're going to see schemes change quicker than ever. You're going to see the ability for teams to steal plays in a in a very fluid way. And then, of course, last year, you even see like the Kareem Hunt Chiefs thing where they run a play in week one, the Patriots steal it, and then the Rams steal it, and then everybody's stolen it, right? And that happened over the course of four weeks. And you're able to watch 16 games from a team in the time it used to take to watch three games. And that coach was Mike Shanahan. And that year, if I'm not mistaken, the year we talked, which I think was 2012, basically half of the future of the NFL was on his staff. And I don't think you can um, 
gloss over that fact. Mike Shanahan put together a really, really incredible um, staff. And I think that they they all knew and they're all forward thinking. And if you knew what was coming and if you're prepared for what's coming with just how technology is moving, how the schemes are moving, how the idea, the fact that ideas can trickle up instead of down, all of those things, you're going to win. And if you think that if you're if you're the guy telling Tony Pauline that every time you hear analytics, you say, here we go again, you're going to lose. That 2012 Washington team is the most fascinating NFL team of like the modern era, like of the last decade that I paid attention to the league. Like I was going through some of the numbers yesterday. You know, they ran play action on 40% of their dropbacks. Yeah. It was just nuts. I, I mean, it's they, that, that team was so, so interesting. And it, on top of the fact that the personalities involved with it have such a prominent place in the league now. Sure. So now well, I'm, and, I'm but, with and you. also, by the way, they don't get enough credit for running Baylor schemes. That's exactly right. I mean, I, mean it, hey, I did that story on one of my first weeks. It was one of my first NFL stories ever, just where they were just like, yep, we ran Baylor's plays. That's what we did. And now it's like, it's seen as revolutionary if you steal Carson Wentz's. If the Eagles run a North Dakota play for, for Carson Wentz, it's like, wow. And it's like, yeah, Mike Shanahan did that seven years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's I, there's a reason that Kyle Shanahan's really good at his job. And watching that, that era of the NFL is just like incredible how fast it changed and how much that version of offense doesn't really exist anymore. It, it does a little bit. We see shades of it with certain teams, but teams don't lean on the read option and the shotgun play action as much as they did. But that was the NFL in 2012 and 2013. Going back and looking at those numbers, it's just nuts how steadfast those teams were in committing to that scheme. And it, it's really, really cool. All right. I got one more, and uh, and then we'll get out of here. I uh, championship windows are one fickle beast, man. They close extremely fast for a lot of reasons, unless you're the Patriots. <laughs> we had this conversation a little bit on Sunday's show about how you know it seems. I was reading something. I can't remember where it was again. I'm just. I'm, it's been a hectic week talking about how you know the Rams maybe are the next dynasty. It's like well. Everyone take it easy. Like, no, it's this stuff is so hard because, like we were discussing, the Jared Goff contract isn't that valuable for much longer. It's a couple years. The Eagles are going to have to decide whether they want to extend Carson Wentz, and then that whole organizational infrastructure. What are they going to do? What are the Eagles going to do? I know, but that's. But seriously, remember last year when it was like the Eagles are it. The Eagles are the NFL, and they're still a really good team. And Howie Roseman's really smart. But they don't rule the league, and they're very close to having to pay their quarterback and going into a completely different tier of teams. So this stuff goes fast, man. I mean, think about where the Jaguars were a year ago and think about where they are now. And that's, again, why my just existential dread about the Bears is so pronounced, because you don't know how long this is going to go because there's so many factors that deal with it. Well, um, I agree. I think that the rookie contract thing is really important and how you how you maximize that. I think that the best way to keep your championship window open is have a good coach and a good quarterback. And yep. hit on you know, get lucky. We've talked about it a couple of times. Teams can get lucky in the draft or they have a really good GM and they just have two or three great great draft classes. We obviously saw that with Seattle. We see that with New Orleans now. They're able to get over the course of two years some some, you know, all pro level players. But yeah, I mean, it, things change so quickly. But I would also add, going back to what we talked about, the things that work in the NFL change so quickly now that you have to sort of align or have the adaptability to have the same identity that works this year. I mean, there's just if if you're if 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 you bet big on you know running play action this year you were you're going to be better than a team that didn't um you just have to have the insights and the foresights as remember when Rob the Thunder hired Rob Hennigan as director of insight and foresight I kind of think that NFL teams need a director of insight and foresight but I, just I mean think isn't that, that essentially what Ernie Adams is I saw Ernie Adams the other day and I'm starstruck I would be too what a what a man um but yeah, so I just think that things change so quickly now in the NFL that that the championship windows are even more fickle because you don't even know what scheme might revolutionize next year. Remember, the RPO, even though RPOs are still important, like in 2017, January 2017, if you were to be told that like, we would almost never talk about RPOs in 2018, you would have thought we were crazy. I mean, it's remarkable. And we have a Patriots offense that's using a fullback on like 25% yeah. of its plays. It's, it, you really, it, that's why the Rams are so interesting in their success because it is about 
just dressing things up and using different formations and using different personnel packages. And even with the Rams, like they're using more, tw- they use more 12 personnel on running plays in that game against New Orleans than they use the entire season. Because they know, you know that eventually you do have to start adapting. You do have to start mixing things up. That's what's most important. I, I think if you can stay ahead of the curve schematically, then you're able to stave off this stuff that comes about financially and just by general regression, all the things we've come to know that can ruin teams being successful from year to year. But there's a reason the Chiefs have been good every year since Andy Reid has got there. Mm. It's because Andy Reid is really good at staying ahead of the curve creatively. I mean, this stuff is not that hard to figure out. It's hard to be good at, but it's not hard to figure out the elements that go into really good teams that are consistently good. No, it's, it's a fascinating dynamic. All right, before we move on, let's take one more quick break. This podcast is sponsored by ADT, Real Protection. When it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you deserve real protection from ADT. Real Protection means the nation's number one smart home security provider is standing by and is there for you when you need them. Real Protection means having a safe and smart home with everything from video doorbells, surveillance cameras, smart locks, lights, carbon monoxide, and smoke detectors in a system that's custom designed to fit your lifestyle and setting up custom automations to do things like lock the doors and set the thermostat when you leave. Real protection means staying safe on the go, in the car or when your kids are at school with the ADT Go app and SOS button. Real protection means 18,000 employees safeguarding you. Real protection means direct connections with first responders. No matter how you define safety for you, your family, and your business, ADT is there. ADT, real protection. Visit ADT.com slash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. And now we are welcomed by draft guru, yes. Danny Kelly, coming to <laughs> us live from Mobile, Alabama. How you doing, buddy? Self-described draft guru. That's what I've been telling everyone I am. It is, you are not a self-described draft guru. I am you calling you are. a draft guru. <laughs> You're there, I mean, buddy. I have seen uh, the draft guide. What do you think? I love it, man. It looks great. It looks really nice. Like, I, I can't wait for awesome. you to build it out. Before I mean, we get into the nitty gritty, I need to ask you something, Danny yes, Kelly. Yes. Because I'm in love with the shades of stuff here. <laughs> That's I awesome. Just, I just want to go through this, okay? We have thick Arden Key, one prospect. <laughs> they wouldn't let me do. They wouldn't let me long, do two C's on that one. But long, yeah, long Cliff oh. Averill and polished Randy Gregory. All of these would be incredible, like rapper names. Like if you're Long Cliff <laughs> Averill, I'm listening. I'm subscribing on Spotify. The modifiers are key. I should have done it on all of them, but I thought that was a little bit much. But yeah, I uh, I'm well, very excited. Hard. I really. To, Comps are really hard, but they're my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Like, I, I've always really enjoyed them. And it's the best is when you can get two guys that just seem nothing like each other, but somehow they make sense. Yes. Like, totally. I, mine, mine was always that I, I thought Dwayne Wade and Manu Ginobili were really similar. It's just like, it doesn't make <laughs> sense, but they have like shades of their game that like yeah. actually co- like correlate. So those are always my favorite You also ones, have but. Dwayne Haskins as a me- <laughs> medium-sized Ben Roethlisberger. Medium, <laughs> a medium big Ben. A, me- yeah. a medium-sized big Ben. Yeah. Oh, uh, so, Danny, explain to the people how this is going to go over the next couple months here as we get closer to the draft. Obviously, this is the first iteration, but I'm assuming that we will be building on this as time goes. Yeah, so right now, we just kind of opened up with the top 32, uh, my big board. We're going to expand it to at least 64, hopefully more. I'm not really sure yet if we'll have time, but um, going to have full scouting reports for all these. So right now, it's kind of like top-level stuff. You know, the main selling point, just kind of like a real short, quick description of who everybody is, what they look like, who they're shades of, you know, that kind of thing. It's going to be full scouting reports for everybody. I'm going to be probably moving guys up and down as I kind of get to go through this whole process with the senior bowl and the combine and get to watch a whole bunch more film, hopefully, and all that stuff. So um, it's going to be sort of this living document that we update. We're going to have mock drafts. We're going to have team needs put into it. It's going to be really cool. Um, This is just sort of the the tip of the iceberg. We're going to have a, you know, this whole sort of like one-stop shop for the draft. So it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. I actually like really anxious to, to get more guys on here and get more, you know, in-depth scouting reports, but it, it's exciting. Hell yeah. Danny, as I go through this right now, I'm extremely pleased with myself because I know a lot of these guys already, which is <laughs> nice. very new for this time of the year. I have heard of Nick Bosa. I've heard of Quinn Williams. I have not heard of Josh Allen, this Josh Allen. I have. Right. 
I do not know who Brian Burns is. I just want to say that I know who Josh <laughs> Allen is because every Saturday there's all these like Josh Allen is a grown man tweets. And I'm like, I don't think we're talking about the same Josh Allen. Nope, definitely and not. And so I, I, I looked into it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. How, yeah. how, how do you pronounce Polite's name, Danny? How do you pronounce uh, his first Jekai. name? Jakai Polite. That's I a believe. great name, by the yeah. way. Yeah. He's good too, man. I mean, all these guys are good, clearly, if they're in the top 32. But All like, right, so, yeah, th- clearly. I mean, they're in the top 32, but, like, who are you staking, like, put your flag down in? Like, who's, oh, like, man. your guy that, like, okay, this is my dude. Like, I'm going to ride for him harder than other people are. <laughs> I mean, I know it's early to say that, but every yeah. time you dig into a process like this, like, oh, I, I definitely love this guy. Like, two years ago, I loved George Kittle. Like, I was like, that dude oh, is going to yeah. be awesome. And it's just, I really enjoy kind of getting one or two guys that you just stick with the whole time through. So I think the two guys that that come to mind for me are Brian Burns, which I might have a little bit higher than some other people. I just think when you watch him play, man, he is just effortlessly explosive. And that's kind of, that's what I wrote. It's like, it just looks easy for him, the way he moves around. Um, he's pretty light. Like right now he's listed at 235. If he gets up to like 245 and around 250, I think that'll be probably better for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, he just, he can move just explosive athlete. I like him a lot. The other guy that I was going to mention that I think I might be a little bit higher on than sort of, I guess maybe the consensus or whatever is Hakeem Butler, the receiver from Iowa state. Some people I think might have him in the second round or third round or whatever, but, um, he's six foot six, 225, just, you know, like freakishly long catch radius, just can, can go up and get the ball from wherever. Um, but he also has like that take the top off of defense speed. He, he mm-hmm. averaged 21.9 yards per reception this year. And that's on Good 60 Lord. catches, 1,300 yards. Um, you seem to have like a thing for explosive receivers who score like 30 touchdowns a year and only catch deep balls. I feel like that's like your <laughs> brand when it comes to receiving talent in the draft. <laughs> like, who was your guy a couple years ago that you just were so into that was just like that? Ted Ginn. Absolutely. Everyone, if someone is shades of Ted Ginn, he's Danny's favorite player of all time. (laughs) I just like this guy because he's, he just, man, he just can get over the top of defense, but he's also really good and kind of in the intermediate range too, just size and um, he's really athletic. I think he's going to be one of those guys that kind of people are talking about at the combine and things like that. So he might climb up some boards, but. Um, he, he's kind of one of those guys that like will make a circus catch and then drop a sort of an easier one. He's sort of in that range. So we got to see some more consistency, but see uh, Ted Gibbs, that's yeah. all Danny wants. There you, go. there you go. I have a type, I guess. So <laughs> I'm looking at this picture of Brian Burns right now. And I know he's not at the senior bowl cause he's a junior. I can already tell that people are going to love the levers. It looks oh, like yeah. he has very long arms. People are going <laughs> to freak out about that. Like it's, it's already in my mind. It's like, yep, that dude's going to have like 35 inch arms at the combine and people are going to be obsessed over it. So absolutely. That's always so a fun time. That is, for, speaking of the senior bowl, I'm here in the senior bowl right now. Yeah. The guy who sort of comps to him, he's, he's a different kind of player, but is uh, Montez Sweat from Mississippi State. He's, he's the same deal. He's six foot six. He measured out this week, six foot six, 252 pounds with an 84 and a half, 84 and a half inch wingspan, which is just unheard of. It's absurd. And he, he look at Danny already being super into wingspan. You've only been doing this for a year. I love it. You're just <laughs> totally on board, dude. I love the wingspan. If 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 Kevin loves spark, like wingspan is like my thing. The Orlando <laughs> Magic front office love wingspan. That's all they draft on. So here's my thing about this Brian Burns guy or anyone that's six six. I kind of have a mild hot take about pass rushers that I have about quarterbacks. I think they could be too tall. <laughs> I get that. I do. You have to have leverage. You have to be able to take on blocks. The the thing you have when you have that much length, you have to be able to use it. And that's like, you know, stab like the stab move or a punch or whatever. You getting keeping offensive linemen off you and all that stuff. So like you have to be able to use it or else it's just you're just gonna get ragdolled. Julius Peppers did okay. Well, Julius Peppers is built differently. He's he the biggest built. freak like in the history of I'm talking about <laughs> long skinny guys because I'm just thinking about Leonard Foyt. That's all I'm thinking about. And right. he's fine, but he's a specific type of player. And when you get that long and skinny, you often do better as a change of direction rusher than you do as a straight edge rusher. And I feel like those guys are limited. So that's my only concern. I say this without having watched this guy play at a single down, <laughs> but just based on physical comps. It's definitely valid. My my comp to him was polished Randy Gregory. And I think Gregory does have some size limitations, but you know the explosiveness is something that teams look for, man. And so... You just like can't really teach that. So I, I think that's going to be kind of where he stands out. He's just explosive. 
Awesome. Danny, what's been your favorite thing that you've seen or talked about or done in Mobile so far? That that entire world just fascinates me. So, so the I fact mean, that you're yeah. wading into it is wonderful. This is my first year in, in Mobile. It's really fun. Like just going to practice. We didn't have practice. Like practice got rained out yesterday. So they moved it and we couldn't go. But what did um, you guys so do watch, during that like six hours? I did some writing. Yeah. And we got to watch some tape. They like had some all 22 from Monday's practice or Tuesday's practice up. And so you got to watch that. But um, I think just like it it really just matters to see things in person. I think that's some something that like a lot of you know teams send their scouts on the road to to go watch guys in person rather than just have the tape or whatever. It just it matters to see what people like look like in person, I think. And so um that's kind of been the cool thing getting to see these guys and how they match up and, and move and all that stuff like in person. It's just a different experience than watching tape. So Danny as we do this for the first time and what I'm assuming is the thou- like the thousands and thousands of times we do it, can we hear your initial impressions of the quarterback class? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins are the two top guys in the class. I, neither of them are here this week. Um, the the quarterback crew here is, like, kind of, I guess, tier two. I think Murray is the ultimate X factor of this entire draft. We're going to be talking about him this whole time. I think he's the... You know, his size, whatever he's going to end up being, like 5'9", 190 pounds or whatever, is going to be by far the biggest question of this entire draft. Like, can he not just, you know, sit in a pocket and pass, but, like, can he hold up physically in the NFL? I think that's obviously the big question. But, I mean, he's got the skill set. He's got a strong arm. He can whip it. He can move around. He's he's really, really fast. Like, I mean, he reminds me a little bit of Tariq Cohen when you watch him run. He's not quite as explosive, but like he's that kind of jitterbug runner where he can just escape from guys so easily. Tariq Cohen playing quarterback is now the thing I want in the world. And if there's an, a person who exists like that's like that, I'm very excited about it. I, so I ended up putting pint-sized Michael Vick for my shades of, but I had <laughs> I penciled in Tariq Cohen with an, with an arm the first time I did this because it was uh, like just the way amazing. he moves around. It's like sort of, you know, the human joystick style of like runner. Uh, he's just really, really fast. So he's got that that dynamic, um, you know, ability to 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 impact the offense both with his legs and his arm. Haskins is more of a prototype pocket passer. He's got you know he's good good size, good arm, uh, really accurate, sort of in the intermediate and short range. Uh, you know, he's just kind of like a prototype passer. And so I think it's funny because those two guys are the top two guys, and they're and they're completely different in the style of football that they play. Um, both had insane numbers. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting to kind of see how the NFL decides whether they care how small Murray is. Like he could potentially go number one or it could not be in the first round. Like it's, it's still just completely wide open. Danny, you got to work on some of these shades of okay, like, what, which one, Joel, you know, like, like Joel Batonio is like, that's he, that's a good player. I'd like Joel Batonio on my team if he was in this draft, but I need something weirder than that. These oh. need to be weirder. <laughs> Let's see. Dal- that's so. I got that one for Dalton Risner. The reason I picked that is if you see, like, when you turn on the tape and you see Dalton Risner, he has the biggest barrel chest I've ever seen in my life, and it's exactly the same as Batonio. Like his chest, his like torso is twice as wide as almost every other player on the field. So it's that's kind of why I went with Batonio. I don't know who. I, I don't know who. I, like O linemen were the hardest ones to figure out. I think. It's those are the hardest to figure. I mean, who would you say? They're, they're the hardest guys to evaluate. So I'm outside of quarterback. <laughs> yeah. So I'm assuming they're the hardest guys to come up with the comps for. We around this time, like around draft time, everyone makes fun of how obsessed like, scouts and personnel people are with just physical appearance and all that stuff. But then you go into NFL locker rooms and then you just realize like the best dudes are often the dudes who look like superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> like I was, I was in the, I was in Dallas a couple weeks ago and Tyron Smith was just walking around and I was like, what in the hell? <laughs> Yeah. Like, how is that guy an offensive tackle? And like Whitworth is the same way. So it's just sometimes just don't overthink it. Take the guy who looks like Superman and figure it out later. Well, I mean, yeah, like exactly. There's sort of the expression, like sometimes the teams look the best getting off the bus, but like a lot of the time those teams are actually the best. Um, and I think like Risner is one of those guys, uh, you know, this Yadni Kajust guy is really the West Virginia tackle. He's great like name. The same, same deal. He's just like, Really long arms, like well bit. I, I can I compared him to Dwayne Brown. If you, dude, have you ever seen Dwayne Brown in person? That guy is just impressively massive, and he can move around like light feet and all that. So, uh, I mean, all these guys are just just crazy athletes. It's 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 a good reminder that they're just like not normal, not normal human beings. They can move around like so fast for that size. Is this Kajus guy? Is he related to the Hard Knocks Kajus guy or no? 
No, no, no. He's an offensive lineman. Never mind. Okay. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Nope, he's not. It was the same last name. I was like, oh man, is he another like weird dude who believes in the power of crystals? That'd be amazing. <laughs> but apparently not. <laughs> well, never. I don't know. You never know. All right, Danny. Uh, anything else that you want to add from your mobile experience here before we let you go? Uh, not much other than just, again, to keep keep an eye on the, the draft guide because it's going to be continually updated. Like I'm going to be changing the orders of things as I kind of go along and adding a whole bunch more guys, adding much more in-depth uh, scouting reports and things like that. So this is, again, it's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. It's really, I think it looks really, really cool though. I'm psyched about it. I cannot wait until like mid-March when I start watching these guys and I've watched a guy for two minutes and then I just disagree with you completely <laughs> and we get to fight about it. That's going to be my favorite thing that happens over the next couple months. That is the best part of the draft is like you can watch the exact same tape and and like smart analysts will have like completely opposite takes. It's hilarious. I am not a smart analyst, but I still may have some just, completely opposite takes. Well, neither takes. am I, but in general, two smart animals, analysts can have opposite takes. Hi, right, buddy. We will, uh, we'll see you next week. You're coming to the Super yes. Bowl. That's also a thing that's happening. Yeah, I'm driving over there on Sunday. So yeah, I'm stoked about that. Oh, God, that's right. You're like in that area of the world. You Doing guys have both been driving around the South recently. <laughs> I, I have not had I that experience. I love driving around America. You do not. Oh, I do. I absolutely you do. You went like three years without having a license. Well, I mean, yeah, because I didn't need one where I lived, but I also did some driving in that time, just maybe not within the parameters of the law. Whoa, whoa. So it's legal now. I have one in my wallet. It's a wonderful thing. legal (laughs) now. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. We will do a couple podcasts next week, most likely. We're going to have some guests come on, some ones that I'm very excited about it. We're going to blow it out. This is a fun game, and we're going to try to hit it from every single angle possible. So until then, thank you very much for listening to The Ringer NFL Show on The Ringer Podcast Network. We'll talk to you soon. This podcast was sponsored by ADT, Real Protection. When it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you deserve real protection from ADT. Real Protection means the nation's number one smart home security provider is there for you when you need them. Real Protection means 18,000 employees safeguarding you. No matter how you define safety, ADT is there. ADT, Real Protection. Visit ADT.com podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.